Hello fellow travellers and welcome to podcast 56 in our world wandering series You Should Have Been There with me Simon Calder and me Mick Webb and the title of today's podcast is Safety in Numbers and that's because we're going to be talking about group travel with Joe Fallon of True Travels. He's actually set this company up uh, and also tried to keep it going during the uh, pandemic. And uh, Joe, uh, you're in Thailand at the moment, aren't you? Whereabouts exactly? That's right. I'm in Koh Phangan at the moment, which is a little island in the south in the Gulf, in the Gulf of Thailand off the east coast. Ah, and I presume it's um, extremely and deliciously hot, is it? It is indeed, yeah, it is indeed. I mean, not 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 to rub it in, but it's it's starting to get very hot at the moment. Well, we can't wait to hear your lockdown story, but um, first, may I bring people up to date uh, with our Romance on the Road programme? As it happens, we're recording this on, on uh, Valentine's Day, which perhaps says something about our lives. Um, but uh, thanks very much for your responses. Let me bring in Brendan, who tweeted at you should have BT to say... On holiday with my girlfriend in Paris, having a lovely time. We saw the bridge with the padlocks. You'll recall that we were talking about ways of demonstrating affection. Very romantic. Later, whilst shopping, she whispered in my ear, Shall we buy a padlock for the bridge? Unfortunately, what I heard was, Shall we buy a padlock for the fridge? Being a bit sensitive about my weight, I thought she was having a gentle joke about my weight. No, I barked. Didn't go down well. Thankfully, years later, we're still together. Um, nice story there, Brendan. And actually, someone very close to me um, had a very amusing experience in Kashmir in the days when it was um, part of the hippie trail. Um, her Her then boyfriend... Um, had some mints that he'd brought, um, M-I-N-T-S, and um, he offered her the packet and said, uh, do you want a Murray mint? And she heard, do you want to marry me? <laughs> um, uh, some years later, they were and they still are. So it all ended happily ever after. Can I just ask something um, maybe to both of you about that uh, uh, padlock as a symbol? It does worry me because it reminds me of the uh, lock him up and throw away the key kind of thing that people often say, uh, thereby equating the uh, great state of matrimony with being banged up for 25 years. Well, or 10 years if you um, fib on your quarantine hotel form about where you have been. Yes, we're going into yet tougher lockdown. But on on Monday morning, um, the toughest rules ever uh, imposed on travellers to the UK are coming into effect. Um, and anybody who comes in from a red list country uh, is going to um, have to sit in a hotel for 11 nights, which the government works out as 10 days. I work out as 12 days. But yes, well, of course, I think it's still quite easy to um, get in from a non-red list country, even if you've been to a red list country. But uh, let's not have a political round now. Um, I'd just like to say that uh, I got some feedback from uh, one of our um, more youthful uh, followers who told me that uh, she and her boyfriend had put on our podcast about Australia uh, in order to um, help them get to sleep. <laughs> Very good. And, uh, uh, and they'd enjoyed it so much that they'd actually stayed awake till the end. Thank you, Jesse. I think that's a backhanded compliment, isn't it? 
Well, the Australian Open is on, so uh, maybe maybe it is. Joe, um, we have to ask, it is customary, where were you when lockdown began for you? What were the circumstances? What was going on and where have you been since? Well, I was in um, Colombia, actually, when it all started kicking off. I was um, over there. We were, just, we, were, we were due to launch a sort of first South America and Latin American tours um, last year in 2020. So I was out there doing the first sort of dry run of the Colombia tour. Um, we were due then to go on to, to Peru, Costa Rica and Mexico and, and spend a couple of months over there just finalizing those trips um, to start selling them a few months later and begin running them in the summer. And then uh, obviously the, um, the the sort of rug got swept out from me underneath everyone's feet, really. Yeah. And uh, we the first sort of 10 days of the tour were going very smoothly. Then the last two days, we just all had, everything got cancelled, curfews in Bogota, um, and it became pretty pretty wow. clear that we, we were going to have to return home at some point. So how did you get from where you were to where you are? Uh, that's a that's a long story as well. I mean, we've got um, how long have we got? I, I went straight from um, straight from Colombia to Mexico, so that was the the only other country of the four that we were supposed to visit that was still letting people in. And we thought, right, we might as well go over there and try and get done some of the stuff that we that we wanted to get done while we were there. So we ended up going to Mexico um, and attempting to get stuff done there because at, at that point we still thought this was going to be a short-lived thing or we thought it might be a short-lived thing and in a couple of months' time we'd be able to fly back over and pick up where we left off. We had no idea how long it was going to go on for us so we ended up going to Mexico for a few days doing some bits and pieces there and by then it was getting worse and worse and worse every day. Obviously the stock market started crashing and all, all the rest of it, all the airlines started saying they were they were having to either sort of lay off most of their staff or get government bailouts or whatever. So it, it became very clear that the industry that we're in, the travel industry, was uh, was not going to have a good time of this. So I had to fly back to London really to be with, with my business partner, Mark, and, and sort of be able to have constant contact with him whilst we figured out how to best deal with the situation. Gosh. Let's get on to sort of how you've managed to uh, keep it all going uh, during the lockdown and go back to the beginning, which is, um, well, how did you come to start your company and why, if I may ask? Sure. Um, Well, we we started it, um, it was back in 2012 now that we registered the company. It was after both myself and my business partner, Mark, had been on sort of long backpacking trips where we'd ended up sort of staying in various countries around the world, living and working for, for a couple of years and both completely fell in love with the whole sort of idea and the, the freedom of being able to travel around and, and live in different different countries. And um, it just, it, it was not not an accidental thing, but it was a sort of surprise thing. It was born out of, a, as, as many businesses, I guess, it was born out of a sort of conversation in a pub a while after we both returned to London. We, we tried our best to stay in Australia. At one point, we set up a football company over there with another friend doing uh, six-a-side football tournaments for backpackers, um, <laughs> naively thinking we'd be able to get business visas and stay in Australia for the rest of our lives. But then we realized you had to have $250,000 to invest um, in order to get a business visa at that time. And I think we had about two hundred and fifty between us. So that that definitely wasn't going to happen. Then then I ended up getting a job in Thailand working for a, for a different tour company for a while. 
stayed here for a bit and then after what, what sort uh, of thing were you doing were you running were you guiding people yes around or... yeah i was actually yeah i was i was i was taking groups of, of backpackers to, to waterfalls and boat trips and beach bars and and stuff so very much sort of picked up a, a taste for doing that eventually it sort of had to come to an end we both moved back to london to get adult jobs and and uh, big grown-ups i ended up getting a job doing recruitment for investment banks in the it sector <laughs> so you can imagine that that was uh, pretty much as different as you could get from being paid to take people around waterfalls in flip-flops and swimming shorts and a vest so um i was stuck in this office and i, I thought it'd be a means to an end thought right a couple of years of this i'll make enough money then i'll go and set up my own thing and do something elsewhere and, and and i lasted about 18 months i think until this conversation in the pub with my with my now business partner mark and we just were sat there it was a cold winter day in london pissing down with rain and we thought well our lives are nowhere near as cool as they used to be what the hell happened we're, we're, we're both in jobs he was a state agent at the time we're both in jobs that we hate we we loved what we were doing a couple of years ago what the hell happened so um, after a couple of beers we were like right let's do something about it then what can we do what what do we enjoy doing what are we good at thought, well, we're quite good at that where do we like where would we like to live well, thailand is probably one of my sort of favorite places so we thought okay let's let's start a tour company and move out to thailand and at the time we had absolutely no idea how we would do that apart from obviously we'd both worked for a couple of tour companies which did similar sort of things they did like backpacker trips in australia and thailand and other countries so we, we had a rough idea of how it worked on the customer side and how to run the tour but we had absolutely no idea about all the all the sort of back office stuff and the politics of the tour industry or the travel industry especially in our in our small niche so we had we had a lot to learn but for one reason or another it actually happened and um i'm very glad it did and just looking at your uh, very good website, which, by the way, is True Travels, and that's T-R-U with no E, travels.com, um, you're, you're very much uh, headlining the fact this is for fun-loving young adults. So obviously um, Mick and I are your, your, your key demographic. Um, uh, but but, but um, is it correct that you've sort of slightly expanded beyond the backpackers market? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, we say fun, young, fun, loving young adults on there. I mean, we we typically uh, our tours are sort of between the ages of eighteen and thirty something. But we have, we, there's no, there's no limit. We certainly wouldn't stop anyone. We have had people that are sort of well into the fifties, sixties, and even one guy in his seventies that's done a few tours with us and got well stuck in. So there's certainly no limit. We're not going to say no as, as long as people are fun, loving, fun, loving, and young at heart. Then um, they're welcome on the trip. But yes, we've sort of expanded into sort of a bit more of a wide market by default, really. I mean, it's just, I feel like it's just the way that the market has changed since we started. When, when Mark and myself set up the company, we envisaged that we would only have sort of backpackers who were going on to do sort of six month, one year trips like we had done. And we were just going to help them out for a couple of weeks, show them the best places to go, maybe two, three, four weeks in different countries along the, along their way and, and give them a good time, get them, get them sort of feeling comfortable and then be a bit of a support net for them whilst whilst they were traveling so we thought that it would all be sort of youngsters on their gap years doing long extended trips and just using our tours for parts of them which is what the experience that that myself and mark had had so it did start much like that but not as much as we thought there was still a lot more people that were sort of mid-20s early 30s and they were just on two three four week holidays and they wanted to make the most of their time there and they didn't want to book their own accommodation and they wanted to make sure they were going to meet people and so over time 
as we expanded into more destinations um, and, and sort of put a, put a bit more, probably started staying in some nicer accommodations and, and, um, and not quite roughing it as much as we might have in the first couple of years when we were technically, technically still backpackers ourselves, we just started naturally attracting more of a sort of young professional audience as well. Can, can you give me an idea, uh, Joe, of what I would be doing then if I went on, uh, let's say, uh, a, a Far East tour? Because I have to say, I do not know the Far East at all. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I mean, I guess about as Far East as we go at the moment would be the Philippines. So in the Philippines tour, we would do... Um, lots of boat trips, as you can imagine. It's, it's an island. We do might do sort of some snorkeling with some turtles. Go go uh, the sardine run in Mulbol, which is pretty cool. It's one of the only places in the world where you can snorkel through one of these huge sort of balls of sardines that just constantly lurks oh. in the same place, and you sort of move your hand and they open up around you. It's really really cool. We would do some canyoneering over there, where we'd go and um, sort of swim slash cliff jump slash climb down this sort of river waterfall to the through beautiful emerald waters and caves and stuff like that we would do a camping trip where we go and stay on a on a completely deserted island for for a couple of nights and and go and really sort of live live like the 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 locals over there we get shown how to fish by the by the guys who live on the island and i say i mean i say camping you're not actually staying in tents it's a bit um we've got sort of little wooden huts on the beach but there's a variety of activities like that and and also of course we 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 mix in some nightlife as well so people people who are sort of in our in our age range tend to like to party a bit when they go on holiday so we have we have a bit of um uh options for the evening where we take them out for dinner and drinks at the best places and of course we try and get as much culture in there as possible as well so we might visit um well we wouldn't visit temples i was about to say temples because in most of the asian countries we would be in the philippines they're very much sort of uh christian catholic so we might visit one or two really old churches in sort of colonial towns we visit used to visit a faith healer in sikiho which was pretty cool that was a that was a, a fun experience um Lots, lots of stuff. We try and take like the local transport. So we would take um, jeepneys or, or sort of tuk-tuks around wherever we can and, and get people to get the feel for the feel for the country. In terms of the people, Joe, who are leading these trips, I mean, other firms have tour guides. You have, and I'm quoting here, travel ninjas full of awesomeness. <laughs> uh, what's the difference? It actually took us a long time to get the number of guides required where we could say that, where we could say genuinely the difference between us and other travel companies is our is our tour guides. Um, the ninja thing was just, I, I can't remember where the idea came, probably when we'd had a few beers and we're trying to think of names that sort of stood out and were a bit different. They're not actually trained in martial arts, but they are just really, really, really cool people. And they are the type of people, like what we what we like to say is that, they're not like a tour guide. They're just like another member of the group. They're like a mate that you're traveling with that just happens to know where they're going. And so I think one of the first things that springs to mind when some people think of tour guides is you're sort of flag carrying guides that have got a big group and they're, and they're only there to show people around the attractions and point out the, um, point out the history and, the, and tell people stories and stuff like that. And then at five o'clock after the trip, they'll clock off and they'll come and meet you again the next day. And, and they're very much sort of, just doing the tour guide thing as i said a second ago as really are like part of the tour groups they don't really clock off they enjoy going out and and meeting these these people the new friends on the groups and a lot of them including myself we're still in touch with people that have been on our tours sort of three four five years ago um so 
yeah, the diff the difference is that they're just really, really fun people and not your average tour guides. And uh, as I said, it took us a long time to 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 build a team as 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 good as we have to to the point where we were confident to say that that, that they are the difference between us and other other tour companies. Joe, can we talk about whether groups are necessarily better than individual trips because of course you are absolutely confined to the, uh, the the kind of requirements of the trip that you are on you've all got to sign up for that your pace is as I've found on a few trips that I've done always that of the slowest now um, in March last year just as everything was locking down I happened to be on a group trip in Yemen but that was because there is exactly no other way of getting to Yemen um, without being on a group tour, whereas everywhere else, yeah, I'm I'm have this great sense of freedom because yeah, I just take a Lonely Planet or a Rough Guide. I um uh, can do all the same things that you're doing, but I can do them exactly at my pace. And if I love a place, I can stay there for extra days. If if I think oh, actually not not much up to, not up to much, I can head straight on on the next bus or train. Whereas you are locked into an itinerary, so. Sure. Yeah, we can talk about that. And that is a that's a real sort of a real good point to bring up, because for years, when we first started this company, we were having this conversation. A lot of the especially when you've got a company that does that has no um, no prior reputation, no prior reviews and, and no track record. People say, well, why wouldn't I just do that myself at, at, at less cost at a cheaper price? And to some extent, they 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 can. There's absolutely no reason why people shouldn't travel to places like Thailand Indonesia, Bali, um, and, and many of the other countries we go to on their own. We've never sort of said that group tours are right for everybody, but for some people, they are superior, I think, for a number of reasons, um, mainly because you don't have to organize anything, right? So if you're a bit lazy like me and you're going to a new country and you don't really don't want to have to sort of do all of the research yourself and organize everything and book everything, then you can just book a group trip and everything's sorted for you and you can just kick back, relax and enjoy the experience. Um, there's the, the sort of the, the meeting people thing, which is obviously a big thing for some people. Having spoken to a lot of people who have sort of come on the trip, they said that have, like the, the instant they booked it, especially if they're going away for maybe the first or second or third time away from their country or, or away from sort of like a, tr a trip on their own without their family, it's given them a great sense of relaxation, a great sense of sort of relief as soon as they've booked it because they know they're going to be sorted out and taken care of as, as soon as they land in the country. So whilst it's, it's people like yourself and people who are very well-travelled may find that they would prefer the sort of sense of freedom and not to be following a rough, uh, a strict itinerary, there are others who definitely prefer that method of travel. And, and I'd say I would, I would do both. It would be depend on where I'm going. If I was going for a long time, I'd probably do, a, do maybe do a tour to get acquainted with the country and then go off and do my own thing. If I had a shorter period of time, then I would definitely consider jumping on, on a group tour because you'll, you'll, you'll definitely get more done, if that makes sense. Like a lot of people I've met when they first turn up in Bangkok, having no idea what to do, because they've got no plan, they end up sort of getting drunk. And I mean, it's great fun, but they'll get drunk, they'll spend a load of money and they'll meet a load of people in the first week without having actually done very much. Whereas... Or they might end up in that um, film, The Beach, which wouldn't <laughs> no, be much fun no, at all. you wouldn't want to end up on, on any of the TV programmes, really, that feature, uh, feature Bangkok. <laughs> 
Um, can I just say that um, I, I kind of see what you're talking about here. And uh, also, <clears throat> I imagine as this is, uh, we are actually recording this on the 14th of February, that this is actually um, quite a good way of meeting, if you go as a single person, uh, meeting um, a, a like-minded person who you might become rather more uh, involved with, romantically involved with. And I remember last week, uh, Simon, we were talking to um charlie hopkinson of dragon man travel yeah, that, yes and, and he 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 said that um uh overlanding um on a group trip was um uh the best dating app ever uh better than tinder he claimed <laughs> is that is that your experience um or your observation joe um yeah yeah for sure i mean it's happened many many times we've had people that have hooked up on tour that are now engaged or married and we've had people uh, a lot of our tour guides have actually left and, and later hooked up with other tour guides and 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 now in happy long lasting relationships and and plenty of people obviously just uh, meet on tour spend a few days together and, and then don't ever see each other again so it's um yeah for sure there's there's definitely there's it's definitely possible to find somebody for you on on a group tour. <laughs> do, do you advertise that fact, or is that just sort of accepted as being um, a possible thing that might happen, but it's not in the small print? <laughs> <laughs> we don't advertise it as such, um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think most people would 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 decide if they were going on holiday as a single they'd probably want people of the other sex to be on their trip and they'd want it to be a to be a mixed group because you never know my own position i think is a bit like simon's i get a weird kick out of actually organizing um quite complicated trips entirely myself so i don't really consider it um a chore uh i actually really enjoy it uh, however sort of painful it sometimes is so that's a kind of one reason why i like to do my own thing um the other thing is that uh, i think you mentioned simon that you can the being able to go at your own pace is quite good and i've been on a few press trips which are group trips which are very very organized indeed uh and obviously you can opt out but you miss quite a lot so you're basically um rushed around all the sites and then you have to meet all the important people i.e delegates of various tourist boards and be on your best behavior while at the same time sampling every um type of food which is okay and um, more to the point every sort of alcoholic drink there is going and I did find once I was in Montenegro on a press trip uh, and for some bizarre reason we were staying on a goat farm um, don't ask me why but uh, uh, it was obviously part of uh, uh, some tourist enterprise of some kind and I remember uh, having one of those welcome drinks which you get in uh, Balkan countries where uh, someone says uh, you must have a glass of rakia uh, and then someone else says um, uh, in our country uh, having only one glass of rakia is bad luck and then someone <laughs> and then they say uh, if you only have two glasses of rakia that's showing disrespect for us so you then have three and then you feel really quite ill and then the next thing that happens is you're um, taken up to uh, look at the goat enclosure where <laughs> And I cannot tell you how awful the smell of goats is after you've had quite a lot of rakias. And it was just a sort of symbolic for me of um, being herded around and uh, not really able to um, either uh, 
do what I wanted at my own pace or even get over my own hangovers at my own pace. <laughs> Joe, can we talk about how you possibly recover from not uh, the worst hangover ever and um, uh, an excess of goats, but from the coronavirus crisis? Now, you've cancelled absolutely everything up until April at the earliest. Um, you are going to be trying to get back into business with an incredible range of travel restrictions right across the world. And I'm fascinated to find out how you've ended up in Thailand because uh, uh, I can't get any further than Streatham personally. Um, uh, but, but what are you going to do? Because every single travel company in the world is going to be going out desperately trying to get uh, customers and um, all looks pretty scary after a year of effectively no income, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. It is. It is. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it does look scary. It's going to be a, it's going to be longer than a year now. I mean, it's 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 we'll be lucky. I think now if things are sort of up and running properly again by the end of this year, um, it looks like it's going to take a while. I think partly because most countries have, have 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 had a very uncoordinated response. They've sort of just done their own thing, and as a result, have had different levels of success and different restrictions, which is what makes it difficult for us, right? If, one country opens but then another country says you can't leave then and our customers are from that country then we can't travel to the country that's open anyway so we sort of have to wait until things are a bit more um consistent across the board i think and and really who knows how long that's going to take but in terms of what are we going to do to try and to try and sort of come out the other side i mean we've just been working hard on on our marketing trying to stay relevant trying to um trying to stay sort of in people's mind's eye we've been very active on our social media and in the lockdowns we're trying to do sort of engaging things to our audience like quizzes and and sort of interactive games and stuff just just to to showcase again as i said earlier our staff's personalities and our tour guys personalities are one of the things that make us so different to other companies we were just getting everybody involved and and getting online and, and sort of communicating with our customers as much as possible to try and stay relevant we've also been working on lots of new tours lots of new itineraries lots of new trip styles um so we will have a wider range of products and countries to offer to our market when we when we get up and running again um and how did i end up back in thailand that that's a bit that's a different story i was i mean having been back in the uk for about nine months, I think around Christmas time, I realized things were getting a lot worse again in the UK very quickly. Um, and really, I just thought, shit, I've come here, I've done most of the stuff that I've come here to do. And I, I want to get out of here now, because I'm not having fun anymore in the UK. It's getting freezing cold. Everyone's catching COVID. It's all the pubs and restaurants and everything is shut again. And it's pretty miserable. So I booked a flight for the 4th of Jan and just did all the paperwork that I needed to do, jumped through a load of hoops, did the two-week quarantine in Bangkok, and now I'm back on the island and living a pretty a pretty normal life at the moment. I think the, that sounds- the only way that we can tell um, that there is COVID at the moment on the island really is you have to put a mask on when you go into 7-Eleven or into a bank or into a big sort of official shop. Other than that, it's, it's sort of life as normal. Are there many cases or is there not much testing? 
No zero, zero cases. There's been no cases in Copenhagen for months and months. And you obviously got out just in time because you got out on the 4th and it was on the 5th that we went into the third and I say, I think most gruelling lockdown, with which we're still very much in with no clue about when we might uh, emerge from it. So, yes, we are all with you in spirit. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel a little bit bad because I've still got, obviously, I've still got colleagues and family and friends and everyone stuck in the UK and I and I wish I wish as wish as many of them as possible had come over with me really. But um you're right, after after I left a few days later, they they went into an even stricter lockdown and now I believe they've they've even made it illegal to go on holiday, which is which is quite alarming considering it's their fault that we're in this mess in the first place. But <laughs> we won't get yeah. into that. Well, I think, Joe, the only thing we can do is wish you the very best of luck. And uh, thank you for sharing your um, uh, group travel uh, experiences with us. We'll put your details uh, on anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. And um, then it's just um, what are we doing next week, Simon? Well, we're going to the opposite extreme from group tours to the sort of trip which says, um, I don't want to have much to do with other people at all. Yes, it's recreational vehicles and caravans, good or evil. They have, I don't think, ever been so popular. Anybody who runs an RV company, unlike uh, Joe, is having the best time ever because people are desperate to have their own little space into which they can retreat. So we'll be hearing more about those. We're very keen on your um, uh, recreational vehicle, motorhome, caravanning stories. You can send them to, um, well, the best way to get in touch is just through Twitter at you should have bt and we will look forward to those and of course we're keen on your feedback have you been on group tours um are you indeed a a fun loving young adult even if you're not we'd love to hear from you at you should have bt and so until next week from me mick webb and me simon calder goodbye goodbye thanks guys and goodbye from me from copenhagen